welcome to this episode of Hexagon Radio. I'm your host, Brian Mora, and in today's podcast, we're going to be discussing how a worker-focused strategy has led Accelerator KMS to become an industry leader in digital transformation and has improved efficiency for Fortune 500 organizations around the world. Now, joining me today are Blair Morgan, president of Accelerator KMS, which is now part of Hexagon's Asset Lifecycle Intelligence Division, and Brent Kadersky, former head of learning strategy and innovation at Royal Dutch Shell. Thank you all for speaking with us today. So let's kick things off. Uh, I'll start with you, Brent. Uh, Could you tell me a little bit about your experience at Shell working to drive innovation and digital transformation? Hey, Brian, thank you very much. A great question. I'd started actually the journey in Shell in 1999, and my whole gig was to drive the globalization of the the enterprise at a strategic level. And if you think about it, the digitization didn't really go mainstream until about 2015. And also, if we think about it, in 2011, we had the kickoff of Industry 4.0 with the cyber-physical connectivity of, you know, big data, analytics, sensors, drones, all those kind of things. And um, in 2015, I started to lead um, the digitalization journey as far as learning goes. And at the time, our CEO put out a goal to have a $2 billion dollar harvesting from digital transformation. So one of the first things we did in manufacturing is we invested $50 million in simulation. So simulators for our various um, plants and our um, process units. Big journey because it was a heck of an investment, number one, and it was a heck of a um, thing to do from an organizational level because you had so many different kinds of vendors and systems and tools and every process unit was older. Some were built in 1929, some were built in 1970. Um, So lots of complexity to deal with. And then another big digital transformation we did was the largest scale ever implementation of a global virtual reality learning system. So this system went across the globe, different languages, um, had to go through the cloud, had to be locally installed, all those kinds of things. And one of the other things that we did, there was probably one of the most um, transformational items was we digitized our procedures and our learning content. So um, I think the thing that um, I learned through all this transformation was there's a... um, arc of drama in digital transformation. So everybody goes through it because you have this digital idea of a protagonist and an antagonist, and somebody's got this great idea, but then all of a sudden it goes to this rising action where you say, wait a minute, you know, we've got our naysayers, there's people, process, system issues, a lot of conflict, and then you work through that rising action Then you have this climax where there's all kind of trouble. They don't understand bandwidth. They don't understand the scale. Um, You know, all the complexity of transformation hits you. But you have to get through that because that's where your biggest learnings come in. And so that's where we would really learn about, well, you know, you can build a solution, but then you got to pay to have cloud delivery. And then you've got to pay to have it maintained to be relevant, Um, So a lot of those things, and you go down the arc cycle because now you've had all these learnings and people say, wow, we didn't know that. And that was actually for the next time we do it, we can do it 
better. We can do it faster. And then you get a reward because, you know, you've done something that's really relevant and distinctive and you've been a pioneer. And then so the cycle all begins again. But in that cycle, you always have this beginning and you always have a middle. And this middle of digital transformation today is very, very messy because middles are just simply messy. And then you get to this, you know, uh, from point A to point B state. So, I mean, this is the whole thing that people really have to understand is um, we've got to go through digital transformation and you've got to be able to do it through faster cycles. So I'll give you just an example from that procedure bit. It took us like five years to vet, do proofs of concepts, do pilots, and digitize our first 500 procedures. The next year, we were able to digitize over 25,000. So just think about that cycle. It took you five years to do 500, but only one year to do 25,000. Just think if we could have harmonized that and just gone on with it, we would have had 30,000 done in maybe a year and a half instead of six years. So that's the kind of thing with the digital transformation journey. It's really all about the hype cycles, the arc of drama, and how do you get people to um, move through those cycles faster? Well, thanks for that insight. Now, you mentioned uh, Industry 4.0, uh, and I understand that you've been consulting with uh, many companies on Industry 5.0. Can you tell us a little bit, how has that added insight to what you're seeing as are the biggest challenges these organizations are facing? Yeah, thanks. Um so if you look at Industry 4.0, it's really about technology. It's about the autonomous factory. It's about um, automation. It's about cyber physical connectivity of assets. So we're looking at, again, you know, take a, a piece of equipment to a process unit, to a tower, to a confined space, whatever that is. And so a lot of the automation has been getting rid of the rote, repetitive, mundane high-risk, unsafe work for humans. So having a drone go up to heights rather than a person or having the uh, sensor be in a confined space. Um, so we've really been looking at, let's get automation to help us get people out of harm's way. And now we're into the mode where we're really saying, well, let's get automation to kind of um, get people out of the mundane work because that incurs more risk and it has safety issues. Because again, quite honestly, when people find their work very repetitive and mundane, they lose that sense of awareness, the um, situational awareness and the, and the kind of the intensity of intent, what I call it. So um, that's the backdrop. So, but what industry five is about, it's all about kind of the ESG, right? The environmental social governance. It's all about how do we make a better world? How do we take that old Ram matrix that talks about, you know, uh, safety and incidents and how do we make it positive? How do we say, these organizations are having a positive social impact, a positive environmental impact, a positive um, mental wellness impact on the workers. So this is what Industry 5 is about. It's about, you know, reducing waste, improving the human aspect, building a better machine person, human mix. Um, because what we're in right now is we're in this area. We want automation to be successful and we want it to eliminate all this mundane, risky work because we want to humanate work. And so we want people spending, you know, a third of their time being very uh, cognitive, thinking about what they're doing, then reflecting on what they did. They want to be very creative using their intellect to do, go from mass 
productivity to mass personalization. And then we want the third thing is we want them to be very collaborative because now we're going from these um, siloed horizontal organizations to matrix. So it requires a lot of better human connectivity while the automation is making the technical connectivity. So that's kind of the backdrop. Um, so we really want to shift where people spend their time. Um, and this is the thing that management has not yet gotten yet around, you know, remote hybrid work and where people spend their time. Managers today are fine to have people spending hours looking for data, hours validating data. I don't want them doing that. I want to eliminate the waste that we have in today's work week and fill that with more human-centric flow activities where people actually are flowing in their work, not being distracted and interrupted. So I would say the three things, just to kind of close off the question, is technology is very complex, but people are very complicated. And there's a subtle difference between those two things. And you've got to remember that as you try to implement both of those things. And I think that most businesses don't really appreciate that change is hard work. So it's if you're going to say we're going to change the status quo, that's not a simple thing. You have to go to that arc of drama. You have to be cognizant that it's going to come and it's going to be something that's very difficult. You're going to get, you know, um, pushback. You're going to have problems. You're going to have look like things are mini failures and you got to get around those. And the last thing I'd say when I work with these companies is they're not yet creating environments to harvest humanity. And what I mean for that is there's still an imbalance between the implementation of automation and humanation. And I don't think companies are quite um, steady on their feet yet around how do you make the workplace uh, a place where you really create flow for people to be cognitive in their thinking, uh, collaborative in their interactions, and creative in their intentions. So those are the things I would say, Brian. I like your term "humanate," and that just kind of stood out in my mind. So thanks for giving that explanation. I think uh, you bring a, a unique perspective to this conversation. So thank you, Brent. Next question is going to be for Blair. Blair, how is the adoption and implementation of an Industry 4.0 solution like Accelerate or KMS, uh, you know, differ in the industry today? I think uh, to a large degree, it. Um it differs in approach. We were very fortunate to come across customers like Brent. We had several of them that truly understand what their problems were, what their business problems were. Brent talked in, you know, his answers there. It's, it's a lot about people. And the challenge um, is really with people when you're talking about knowledge. So what we recognized is that uh, we had to do our research and understand uh, where our expertise was. And that was in knowledge management. So we knew how to inform people. We knew the various mechanisms. And we also have been at it for a long time and know what doesn't work. We know that the workforce is shifting and changing, and uh, we needed to provide a new way of doing things. And it had to be more efficient. Uh, Brent talked about uh, errors and inefficiencies. And really, you know, that when you talk to an incident investigator, they'll tell you that if it was blamed on equipment, then keep looking because it was either because someone did something they should not have done or they failed to do something they should have done. 
And certainly that's true of our, of our industrial workplace now. And as we transform ourselves into a more automated workforce, we need to harvest the working processes that exist in the industry. So for us, we really focused on the individuals. We focused on the people that be using the tool. And what we learned was several key and important things. The first was uh, management provided information on how to do the work. The second was the worker recognized that it wasn't quite correct. It wasn't based on how they actually do their work. And so what workers tended to do was to adjust to the situations around them. So we knew we needed to build a solution that would adjust to the situations around them and capture their knowledge. And we knew at the same time over the last several years that uh, there was a the great resignation and the great retirement has happened here just back to back. And uh, as we look at the profile of the individuals that work in these high-risk high-intensity manufacturing facilities, uh, they used to be five to 10 years of experience before they ever touched the equipment. Now the average tenure is three years. So we recognize that information need to be available to them. It need to be available at their fingertips. It need to be available in context. And that's the solution that we set out to build and implement with clients. Now, could you tell me a little bit about um, mass personalization? You know, what's needed in the long term? And what about when it comes to employee engagement? So employee engagement is so critical. Uh, when you look at the fact that I think 40 million people resigned in the United States alone in the month of September, it, it was it's a crazy statistic. And all that knowledge of operating is leaving. Employees who are engaged in their workforce and really feel like they're making a difference and they're being listened to, uh, we'll do a much better job. The statistics are astounding. And it's curious to me why more companies don't engage in real personalization. And so people want to know how they can improve their workplace, how they can advance their careers. And personalization is key to that. How we're tackling that is we're providing really a digital footprint that is really at a very foundational level. Our solution is a component content management system at its heart. And because of that characteristic, we're able to truly digitize the content at the very granular level. For example, if you were performing a task in the field, you might have to open a valve. Well, that's one element in our database. And I think that's the only, that's a unique characteristic of our solution. When we're able to do that, we're able to identify who's supposed to perform that, who did perform that. That's the foundation for this personalization that you get to. And when you think about our outside of work lives, we have that personalization. We have apps, we log in, they know our profile, they know everything about us. And the workplace is just catching up now. And we're trying to bring that to that next level. And so work, uh, employee engagement, um, workplace efficiencies will be kind of a foundational element of the future for human performance. And then once you take it to human performance, then you can take it to full automation. We believe that with our solution, because we're capturing all the information, the know-how, the native knowledge of operating a plant, that we're building the automation scripts of the future so that automation can happen. Well, the timing for Accelerator KMS in the industry sounds um, exciting to me. And uh, thanks for sharing that, Blair. Uh, my last question is for Brent. So, how has your view of mass personalization changed over time? 
And what are you seeing as the biggest benefit? Well, just look at you and I. I mean, we've met recently and we have a, you know, very quickly have a very nice personal relationship. We've uh, connected and, you know, it's really based on kind of that thing called the trust equation, right? So, you know, you, I look at you, you're a credible guy, you're reliable, you know, you have a low self-interest and a high self-interest for me. So, you know, you put all those things together, it builds a good personal experience, Um and so personalization is so important in today's world because people are overwhelmed in the workforce. They're distracted. They're impatient. And what they want is they want solutions that are, you know, untethered. They can, you know, take the solution anywhere. They want to be empowered with the data and with every tool they have and piece of insight they have. And they want things on demand and they want to be able to collaborate. So if you think about the idea of personalization, life is very personal. If you look at the research today in marketing, 70, 80, 90% of people want personalized experiences. And when they don't get them, they leave. They have choices, whether it's Amazon or eBay or Etsy or wherever they're at, they can find another platform that will personalize their experience better. And if you think about your life, Everything in your life is personalized. I know when I go to sleep at night, I want the room dark. I don't want the TV on. I want it really cool. I want the fan on. I want all these things that are personalized. A third of our life is spent sleeping, right? Um, when I go to the, get my hair cut, I got the personal relationship with the person that cuts my hair, my personal relationship with my doctor, um, my dentist. When I go shopping, what apps I like to use. Everything in my life is personalized to me except my work. And I spend a third of my my life at work. 100,000 hours at work in the course of your lifetime. Why aren't we personalizing the work experience? It's personalizing every other facet of our life, but one of the big one-third chunks of our life. So this is what it, it means to really get it personalized at work. Um, when you do personalize it, you get people more engaged and what happens in personalization, it's really about the distinctive experience. I remember when I was at Shell, I used to have a, a, um, a driver, a Shell driver. And that experience with him was so great because it was personal. He'd have this bottle of water. He'd be on. He'd be early because he knew I liked to be early. He you know, would do every distinctive attribute of behavior that was personalized to me. When I had another driver, the experience was totally different Um not nearly as, as, as good of an experience, and it was because it was personalized. So personalization is about your relationship with your experience, and companies need to start taking the relationship that their employees have with their work experience more personal. And this is one of the things that I want to be able to do. And I think the companies are going to win in the future in terms of this new era of the um, what I call the connected knowledge worker are those companies that can create a very personalized experience with the worker, with their teams, with their work context, with their work content, and all the tools and information they need to do their jobs. So that's what I'd say about personalization. I think it's the next big wave, especially when you think about manufacturing. Mass productivity will be even table stakes due to automation, where Companies will differentiate is in mass personalization of their products, their supply chains, their delivery channels, all those kinds of things. And that's why you need the humans to be creative, collaborative and cognitive. And again, that all requires more personalization of the experience. Well, I, I want to thank you both for 
putting this spotlight on uh, this human performance factor. I think this is a very interesting conversation, and uh, I hope uh, the audience will uh, appreciate your insights. So I want to say that we appreciate your time today, and thank you for joining us. And to our listeners, you can learn more and tune in to Hexagon Radio episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Or you can visit hexagonspotlight.com for more stories from Hexagon. So thanks for listening. Thank you.